Welcome to the Catholic Economics Podcast. I'm your host, Levi Russell, and today is June 29th, 2020. In today's episode, I want to talk about uh, an article published in the National Catholic Register entitled, A Catholic Case for Capitalism. Uh, I'm going to go through the article uh, and just kind of give some comments on some of the main points that are made and basically use this as a foil to... uh, discuss some of the, 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 the main problems we have with, um, with the economic discussion, uh, within Catholicism and, and the, the ignorance of, uh, a lot of the papal encyclicals. So if you uh, want to support the show, uh, the best way to do that is to share, uh, share the show with your friends. Uh, I'm, I'm on YouTube and on, um, all major podcast platforms, um, if you want to financially support the show, uh, listen on your favorite podcast app instead of on YouTube, uh, because uh, I have an ad that runs for the podcast side. You can also choose to uh, directly support through the um, <clears throat> through the support button on your podcast app or on Anchor.fm slash Catholic Economics. I want to make an announcement that tomorrow, and I know this is short notice, but I just found out about this yesterday. Tomorrow, June 30th, 2020, at 9 p.m. Eastern, I will be on the Settlers Lament YouTube channel. Um, We're going to be doing about a two-hour-long live stream and uh, talking about Catholic economics. It's mainly going to be me kind of going through economic stuff and then uh, Settlers Lament and Charlemagne. Uh, both kind of uh, responding and and uh, you know asking questions and stuff like that. So if you're uh, if you're keen on that kind of thing, again 9 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday, June 30th, 2020. Okay, so let's get into this article, which I will of course post um, in the show notes, uh, the link to that, so you can read it. It's a fairly short read. I think it's about a five minute read, um, and it, it's. It's, a, it's interesting that this is coming out when it is, and, and it seems like this is going to be a series for this particular uh, writer, Vincent Weaver, because uh, he sort of alludes to that at the end. Um, but it, uh, th- this is coming out at a time when, of course, there's much more interest in some kind of sort of third way um, economic policy uh, from the likes of, of course, Tucker, T- Tucker Carlson and um at the same time, in the Catholic world, you know, we're getting pushed by the sort of left calf menace types, the, the the socialist types, to adopt the sort of Antifa left wing worldview on economics, um, and at the same time, we're being pushed by some of the sort of larger organizations within the Catholic world. Uh, for instance, you know, Catholic Answers just published a book by Trent Horn and Catherine Pakaluk, who's an economist at CUA. Um, just published a book basically uh, decrying socialism from a Catholic perspective. 
and I've and I've done a I've done a review on that. I've talked. Uh, I think I've, I've done two or three episodes on uh, you know Trent's book, and so you can you can find those uh, in the archives, and I'll, I'll probably link to a few of them. Um, and I also have an actual written book review coming out uh, very soon. I'm, I'm hoping. Uh, in the imaginative conservative blog, so be looking for that. And I'll, uh, if you want to, you follow me on Twitter at Catholic Econ. Uh, I'll be tweeting that out as soon as it's published. Uh, so today, you know, this this piece by uh, Vincent Weaver is is interesting in that it it kind of coalesces a lot of the problems with the um, you know the sort of pro capitalist uh, Catholic position. And it starts off really with, uh, you know, a problem that we get from both camps, which is this idea of sort of, uh, you know, this economic dichotomy, right? There's, there's, there's a spectrum, and on either end of that spectrum is, you know, one is socialism and the other one is capitalism. And, you know, these are your, your options and you can have, uh, you know, of course you can, you can slide your little slider from the Catholic, the, the, the capitalist end over to the socialist end by, uh, you know, adding some, you know, government support or something like that. Or you can do the opposite. You can go from the socialist end and move it towards the capitalist end, implementing some kind of property rights or something like that. Um, but but those are the two options, right? There there is no there is no third pole in that. There's not a um, there's not something else on a different axis, right? It's just these left and right. That's it, you know, socialist capitalist. There's no third position that um, uh, that, that that sort of operates away from this spectrum. And so he starts out by kind of giving you that uh, perspective. And, he, and it's interesting where he talks about, uh, you know, Christ and his, um, oh, well, some people argue that Christ was a socialist based on these scriptures. And then some people argue that, you know, Christ was, uh, you know, in favor of private property and, and capitalism. Because, of course, private property is, is capitalism, right? I mean, those are the same thing. Uh, obviously not. But... Uh, it's interesting that, you know, he, he kind of feeds into this narrative that, well, some people argue he was a socialist. Some people argue he was capitalist. Well, you know, of course, at the time of Christ, neither of those categories made any sense. And, um, you know, it, and it could be that, of course, that, uh, that, that all of this sort of, um, to the extent that Christ articulated anything, you know, specifically about economic policy, right? But that all of these perspectives could actually coexist, could make sense cohesively, right? The the author Vincent Weaver doesn't even consider that, right? Um, it's he 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 specifically says uh, the the opening line: the Catholic Church has straddled the economic fence since its founding in AD thirty three. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Um, you know, if the thing is, if you think that, then you probably should be considering that your entire worldview on the subject is just wrong. It's just, it's just, um, it, maybe you're looking at it through the wrong frame. Okay, so later on he goes into a discussion. So he, he says something like, uh, for most of Christian history, and I'm reading here from, from the article, for most of Christian history, there have been few means of protecting the little guy from oppression by ruthless tyrants in government or unwarranted exploitation by tycoons of industry. And to me, this is just such an anachronism. Um, you know, for most of Christian history, we, we haven't been able to protect the little guy from oppression by government or, 
uh, tycoons of industry? Well, first of all, you know, industry is a fairly new term uh, in the scope of the entirety of Christian history, right? So it doesn't, it's just, it's silly, right? It's, it's again, this idea is if you're locked into this socialism, capitalism axis, then you're not going to be able to read history very well, right? You're not going to understand feudalism, for instance, which, you know, was a huge part of Christian history. And, you know, this whole idea of there being, you know, protecting the little guy from oppression, it doesn't even really make sense in the feudal system, right? So, like, if you have a liberal worldview and you bring it to this, uh, you know, to bring it to your reading of feudalism, then, of course, you're going to say, oh, this is, you know, exploitation and, and oppression by ruthless tyrants. But if you... But so so the problem isn't, uh, you know, feudalism as a system necessarily. Maybe it's bad, maybe it's not. But the the point is the reason you see it as no different from, you know, robber barons or, you know, an overly powerful government is because your liberal framing does not allow you to see a third position, right? It doesn't allow you to move outside of that left-right scale of socialism, capitalism, that axis. So you have to you have to move beyond that to have a more coherent understanding of what feudalism is, right? So you know even if we take this seriously and we forget about the first part of that sentence and say you know okay forget about for most of Christian history, right? If we're just going to talk about you know there's there's been few means of protecting the little guy from oppression by ruthless tyrants in government or unwarranted exploitation by tycoons of industry. Well, the, the funny thing is that when the when the world started to become uh, industrialized, the popes had a lot to say. Not that they didn't before. Of course they did. They had a ton to say about, uh, you know, important issues like usury and the just price and, and impo- very important issues like this. But all of that coalesces into what we now call Catholic social teaching, coalesces into what we call, you know, Catholic social teaching in the 1800s, precisely when we start to see uh, you know, this industrialization and this sort of, uh, you know, the, this, this concept that there being a little guy, right? The laborer in the factory, right? Um, you know, who doesn't own anything, right? The, the feudalism is totally different on, on all of that. Um, so the popes did address this issue, right? They, Pope Leo XIII did address this issue and, and actually had uh, specific policy reforms um, you know, and maybe they're not, you know, maybe it wasn't all worked out. Sure. Uh, you know, part of that is, uh, you know, that, that work is for the, the wisdom of the, the, the statecraft um, in, in your location to handle. But the, the principles themselves were certainly uh, explicitly written down um, in, you know, the, 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 the genesis of Catholic social teaching. And so I don't understand, you know, that it's, it's you just have to be ignoring it or misinterpreting it for you to say that, you know, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't any kind of suggestion, um, you know, or even recently. Right. Um, so then he goes into this discussion of, um, you know, well, certainly, you know, the, the, the government is right to do some things, but, you know, Here's this line from Centesimus Anus, um, you know, where JP2 uh, basically says that, you know, the, the current welfare state has problems, right? So it's, 
it's this kind of weird thing where, and you, you got this, you get this if you read uh, Trent Horn's book too, you get this sense that there is a, um, there's always this uh, sort of, um, I don't know, like a, well, okay, yeah, it's true that, you know, the government has some kind of role, but here's all the problems with the people who actually think that the government has some kind of role, right? So it's it's this um, kind of paying lip service to the, the idea that there should be, um, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, economic policy in place to help people uh, or to ensure the universal destination of goods, right? Uh, and then on, and then most of the work being done in the writing is to push back against, uh, you know, what they see as, you know, sort of problematic uses of uh, that policy. Uh, and so, you know, at, at one point in this article, he says, um, the state is a means to an end, right? It's not the end in itself. Well, of course, no one is suggesting that, right? Except, you know, perhaps the, the crazy socialists, um, you know, who, and of course they wouldn't admit it, right? They would have some kind of weird rhetorical, uh, you know, gymnastics to try to get around it, some silly Mott and Bailey nonsense um, to get around it, but they, they might see the state as an end. I don't know. Um, but you know, the rest of us don't see it that way. Um, it is a means to an end, but the state has legitimate authority. Scripture says that very plainly, right? Again, despite all of the gymnastics by, um, you know, a lot of capitalists to try to get around that fact, um, it's quite obvious that, that there is, uh, you know, that the state does have authority. Um, and church teaching is very clear on this as well. Um, the, the, you know, the encyclicals talk about the fact that, uh, the Catholic social teaching encyclicals, right. They, they talk about the fact that, you know, the government has a vested interest in ensuring that, uh, you know, certain policy goals are met for the public, right? Just wages and, 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 you know, uh, you know, curtailing of usury and things like this, those things have to be done. Um, so of course the state is a means, but it is a legitimate means that should be used when, uh, you know, when it is called for. And I think this is one of the big problems is that, you know, the, you will always get the subsidiary or excuse me, the, the capitalist folks, um, talking about subsidiarity, as if it's this uh, permission to simply ignore uh, most of the policy recommendations and, and requirements in the social encyclicals. And simply by saying, well, if, if a, you know, the, the higher authority has, you know, should not, uh, you know, involve itself in a lower, in the lower authorities, um, you know, what, what, what a lower authority is competent to handle. And it's like, yeah, sure, I agree with that. But the problem is, uh, you know, just using that as a blanket excuse to not ever, uh, you know, implement any kind of policy is that, um, you know, <laughs> of course, someone has to decide what those lower authorities are competent to handle. That, that part is always left out. The, the, this idea that a, a higher authority needs to be able to um, you know, or that someone, maybe it's not necessarily higher political authority, maybe it's someone else, but the point is somehow that decision has to be made. Where are the lines and when do those lines, uh, become less important, 
right? It's very simple. Uh, it's, it's simple in the sense that it's an obvious part of the framework, right? Subsidiarity can't just exist in a vacuum. Um, there has to be some kind of coordination and understanding on where these things, uh, you know, where the lines are drawn and who is competent to handle these things. So that needs to be uh, a bigger part of the discussion, I think. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about is the specific, uh, the, the current welfare state disincentivizes work is essentially what, what, um, you know, Vincent Weaver talks about and he's, he's citing Centesimus Anus, uh, by, uh, uh, Pope St. John Paul II. Um, and, and, and so sure. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I think it's demonstrable. There was a, there was a great, uh, NBER paper that showed that, you know, extending unemployment benefits in North Carolina, uh, was, was, uh, it was it was a tragedy in terms of you know getting people to work. I think in this most recent uh, COVID nineteen stuff, you've seen. Um, I mean, I, I've seen a couple of uh, news stories even in in the left wing press about um, you know th- this this woman gets a you know, she has a small business. She gets a loan, you know, this grant uh, program from the government so she can continue operating and paying her employees. And all of her employees are just livid and angry with her because they wanted to be fired or laid off so that they could be put on unemployment because the unemployment benefits were more generous. And it's like, okay, well, you know, there's a few things you can do with that. You can say, well, maybe there's a just wage issue. Um, but you can also just say that, well, you know, obviously whoever designed the, uh, you know, the COVID-19, uh, unemployment benefits, uh, you know, was sort of dealing with a very strange model of, uh, you know, of, of, of human, <laughs> human trade-offs, right? How we make trade-offs. So, um, you know, th- th- that is certainly true, but the, the point is, and, and I think the, the author here, Vincent Weaver falls into this trap of just talking about more versus less government. Right. I, and I, you know, sometimes that's a useful way of talking about things, but in this case, it's not right. So just saying, oh, well, you know, some people, even though, you know, JP2 said that, you know, the current welfare state disincentivizes work, some people want the government to do more. How silly is that? Yeah, well, okay. Um, if, if again, all you're thinking about is some kind of abstract concept of quantity of government intervention, then of course it's going to make no sense. But the problem is that there are sort of qualitative dimensions that are very important for uh, understanding how the government actually implements these things. So it's not just that, you know, the government either does or does not attempt some kind of helpful, um, you know, program in, in the economic sphere. It's that, you know, some of them, uh, some of these interventions are wise and some of them aren't. Um, and so, you know, address addressing the issue of, uh, you know, just wages and family wages uh, is probably very important and uh, probably a wise thing for the government to do. Right. I mean, if we just if we just lean on, uh, you know, the entirety of the cash, uh, the, the corpus of Catholic social teaching, then we understand this. But if if all we're if we're locked in this sort of liberal paradigm on, you know, the quantity of government intervention, whatever that means, um, then we're not going to understand very well what the, the right solutions are to, uh, you know, the problems that we face. So, I, again, I, I, so that, that's just my take on this article. And again, I'm going to post it for you. And I hope you'll, um, 
you know, I, I, anyway, I hope there's something helpful <laughs> that can come out of this article. Um, if, if anything other than just to be sort of a foil for understanding, you know, the problems, uh, that we're facing. So thanks for joining me, uh, today. I, I appreciate all of you listening and, uh, hopefully, um, we, you know, as I'm changing the format here, uh, hopefully I'll get things kind of, uh, more crisp and, uh, Hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll be able to grow the show and, and do some more education on, uh, you know, Catholic economics. So thanks for joining me.